right, Lori Lindsay here on Follow Your Spirit. I figured that if we're going to follow the spirit, we should not only follow the current players, but the past players as well. And I sort of teased this interview a little bit on Twitter when I told people there was a retired spirit player coming on the show. And a number of the spirit squadron asked me if there was lightning in the forecast. So I think they all were aware of who was next up on the show. But Lori, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. Happy to be on. This is awesome. Yeah. So let's just get your, you know, we're one week away from the end of the regular season. The Spirit have not only locked up a playoff spot, but a home playoff uh, match. Just overall, I mean, obviously it's easy to say that they're they're doing great, but how do you feel about the Spirit's performance this year? Yeah, I think it's been fantastic. You know, I do have to say, I was a little bit surprised because going into the season, you know, with the coaching change, they had some personality changes. I just wasn't really sure. Um, you know, I was always hopeful that they would do well, but I wasn't really sure um, how it would go, especially with um, Orlando's expansion team moving to 10 teams. You know, I was just um, curious how the whole season would pan out for a number of teams. But, I mean, hell, I've been pleasantly surprised, and I think game after game, the Spirit have showed up and um, shown that they not only have, like, good camaraderie on the field, but off the field as well. And I think that's a huge driving force for them to finish first place and head into the playoffs. Yeah. What do you you think – what do you think feels different this year about, about, I guess, the league in general – um, you know, the, the fourth year of the NWSL historic, um, you could say that maybe it's popular coming off of the World Cup performance or whatnot, but a lot of players say they can feel that difference in the atmosphere when they go to play games in each stadium and just how how it feels in the atmosphere of the NWLS. Can you, do you feel that as well? Yeah, I think, you know, it was a big hurdle getting over that third season and past that third season. So I think that was a huge, a monumental, you know, year or season to get past that. So that's, that one is exciting. And I think that was, you know, in a, in a way, like everyone could take a deep breath because the previous two leagues obviously had failed after three years. And so getting past that was huge. And then I think also just having 10 teams, quite a few um, more teams than we've had in the past. I mean, even if you have eight teams, adding two more, is a big difference. And so you're not playing, it's not like feel like you're playing the same teams over and over. And I think it also, um, I'm sure as a player too, it just feels like, okay, there's, there's quite a few great teams and it's just spreading the love of the talent around too. Because before you would have like people who could potentially be starting on any team sitting on the bench for long periods of time, just because they, for some reason or another, didn't fit in on the team or with their coaches, um, how to coach one of the play. So now I think you're starting to see a lot more players shine. And just across the board, I think the fans have been amazing and, you know, are really starting to support. You've always seen, like, the Spirit Squadron. They've done fantastic in terms of always supporting the team. Um, you have the season ticket holders, you know. But I think, you know, the team has been around four years. You're starting to get um, fans to not just be in love with – specific players, but the organization and the team as a whole. And I think once you start moving into to that direction, you know you're starting to win some of the smaller battles and the big battles. So um, I would say that that seems to be the most the biggest difference now. You, you, t- you t- touched on a number of things I want to uh, talk to you about. We'll go to uh, the new 
coach situation with Coach Rivera coming in, um, he's definitely set his game plan up well to be successful all season. And one of the things that he's done that's been kind of a surprise to everybody is constantly changing the front three. Um, I don't have the numbers right in front of me. I was trying to look at it. Um, Our game recap specialist, Jordan Small, uh, had mentioned this to me. But it's something like 12 or 13 different front three um, lineups in during the whole season. How – how does that does that keep the opposition on their toes, not knowing who to plan for in those striking positions? Yeah, I think so, and I also think it's like a testament to the fact that um, you know they have quite a few different personalities, and depending on and great players, so depending on who you're playing, you kind of don't know what you're gonna. The other team doesn't know what they're gonna get, and so I think um, whatever your um, a coach that has quite a few options, that's always a plus, you know. And, and I didn't really mention um, Jim Pryor, but I would say the one thing about Jim is Jim has been around um, for quite a while. And I think this is a good um, – it's a good example that, like, people can succeed in different environments, right? So, like, unfortunately he – or he was in Jersey for a while, and unfortunately he didn't have the most successful, um, you know, record there and eventually I think it was like let go or decided to leave. So, and he found himself back here in D.C., and now he's at the top of the table. And I think that comes, that's true for coaches, and people forget about this a lot. It's true for coaches and it's true for a lot of players, you know. You've got some fabulous players that um, just don't mesh with a certain system or coach or organization, and they go somewhere else and they shine. So uh, I think Jim's been around long enough. He knows um, – what a winning team looks like, and if he can get those players that he wants, um, and he can make it happen. And, and I think that's what he's done here. And he just so happens to have quite a few, at least in terms of the front front three, quite a few different options to be able to play around with and rest players when needed, or or utilize players when they're when they're at their best. So I think that's just a good testament to the quality that that spirit has this season. From what you've seen this season, um, who has surprised you on this Spirit squad? Who is someone that maybe each week you're you're taking note of their contributions to the team? Well, I think Crystal Dunn just keeps getting better and better, and she's proven her worth and um, her athletic ability. And um, and I think she proves her worth both on and off the field, too. She's a great personality. So she's always fun to watch. Um, you know, I've really been impressed with Tori Houston too. Um, well, two people. I would say Joanna Loman and Tori Houston. I think Tori, you know, has always played and played a ton of minutes. But I think she has um, this season has really stepped up and allowed other players around her to be better. And a lot of times those types of players don't get credit, you know. Like, it's not that she's, like, the most flashy person on the field. It's not, um, you know, you're not going to notice her all the time. But it's the little subtle things that she does that allows, like, a Joanna Loman or – you know, Crystal Dunn or um, Christine Nairn, all those players around um, them to do the things that they're exceptionally good at, and um, she doesn't get noticed a lot. But I think she's really stepped into that role, and I think going into the season, I even told her, I was like, I I knew that um, Jim would value the type of player that she is, and I think that's um, proven true this season. And and then another one is Joanna Lohman. Um, I do think she's gotten a lot of credit this year, and a lot of fans have taken notice, but I think it's Fantastic. You have a player that's been around for the last two leagues, um, 
you know, had a fantastic career in the WPS as well, and then just continues to prove her worth in terms of her fitness and goal scoring opportunities. And I always think that's that's great. We're always looking for new players um, to come on the scene and like blow us away. And sometimes we forget about um, some of the the players that have you know put in a ton of work and outlasted a ton of competition and um, have been able to stay injury free for many years and just continue to prove them their worth no matter um, how old or um, how many years they've been around. So I think that's fantastic. Joanna Loman's only a couple years behind yourself, and she, as all the young players on the Spears, say she's doing great for an old lady. And, <laughs> uh, you know, when you when you look at her run around the field as energetic as she is. I mean, I swear she has more energy than some of the, you know, seven-year-olds that are running around on the sideline. Um, are you, are you, like, I'm impressed, obviously, but um, are you surprised almost at how well-conditioned she is uh, going into her mid-30s? No, not at all. I mean, I think that's a staple of, um, of Joe's preparation. I think anybody that's played with Joe and been around Joe, um, knows how seriously she takes her preparation and just like um, how seriously she takes the game and her attitude towards the game as well. Um, and so, no, not at all. I think um, that's just, she's put in a ton of work over the years and that just, you know, you get like a lot of athletes, some unfortunately who are young athletes, but they age quicker in terms of um, how well they t- prepare their body. And I think over the years, Joe has just been very mindful that, Hey, listen, I can control these certain aspects and going into my performance and preparation. And so I decided I'm going to control these controllables and go after it. And I think that's just proven that um, that still holds true. You know, some athletes don't take the preparation as seriously, and that's why you don't see them around as much. So I think um, Joe's a great example for a lot of young athletes um, growing up today, just how important it is to to be conditioned and, and stay strong in the off-season. Um, in preparation for a long in-season. Absolutely. I think it's the countless hours of dancing that she does every weekend. That, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, 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 that's that, her secret. You know, there's a good balance there. Lightheartedness, dancing in the clubs, and then preparation um, off the field or on the field as well. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I just earlier today um, had an interview with Haley Carter, goalkeeper down in um, Houston Dash for uh, – for another podcast and she mentioned Joanna Loman and she, she she was like I've never done so much sober dancing in my life than when I'm out with Joanna. <laughs> um, Lindsay, Lori Lindsay, be honest here. How how close have you gotten to throw throwing the kit back on and running back on the pitch? Oh yeah, not close at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, and it's not because I don't want to. I mean, I play the co-ed team here in DC, which is a ton of fun on Sundays and stuff. But um, no, you know, I'm just loving um, some of the stuff that I got into. I'm doing now, which is um, kind of exactly what I was talking about, which is Joe is helping young athletes navigate their careers, staying injury-free by preparing their bodies, strength training knowing how to condition and just kind of really taking ownership of their own careers, um, whether they want to play at the highest level or, or they don't. It just allows them to gain confidence and um, just become a stronger person all around. So I've really kind of delved into that and things are starting to progress pretty rapidly in a, in a really good way. So there hasn't been much time for me to 
um, you know, think about putting that jersey on. Um, but it's been freaking fantastic just to watch from the sidelines and continue to watch the women's game grow and just cheer on a lot of um, great friends, whether it's in the NWSL or the national team. So it, it's it's fun to be a fan, too. I have a couple a couple of questions about the growth of the NWSL because that is something that I have been very interested in in this beginner year for me in uh, covering the sphere and getting into women's soccer and curious as to what it takes as a whole community uh, to grow this league, the popularity of it, and you know not just women's soccer in general, but specifically the NWSL. Um, so first, what role do you think the players play in being able to reach new audiences, bring re, um, reattending on audiences, stuff like that? Yeah, I think they play a big role, and I think you will see that's one thing that's special. I think even from the women's national team and then the trickle-down effect is that, like, you know, the pioneers of, like, Mia Hamm, Julie Fowdy, Brandy, Christine Lilly, all of them – you know, they really set a precedent and a high high level of how they wanted to be viewed as a team. And um, so, for instance, like, you know, signing autographs, reaching out to the community. And I think that's just been a really strong trickle-down effect throughout all the leagues. And so I, I think you're seeing that now. I mean, all the players, they sign autographs, they're very engaged with the community. Um, you know, fortunately we have social media is a very big um, deal these days, so it's easier to reach people that aren't necessarily in your immediate area. And I think, you know, the players do a great job of posting about the games. They interact with fans, as I said. And so I think they play a big role, and I think they take that responsibility seriously. And so I think that is a huge reason why we are in our fourth season now. And then what, what about the fans? Obviously, you know, invite your friends to the game, interact with players, stuff like that. But um, you know, if there's fans listening right now and you're now have assumed that role, um, you know, what what can they do? What can a fan base do to help with the growth of the NWSL? Continue to buy season tickets. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I do think that's a big thing, you know, um, not just sporadically go to one game or another, you know. Um, I think sometimes without getting going off on a tangent, we get caught up in, and a lot of the youth nowadays where we're traveling, we're playing 15 games in a weekend, obviously that's an exaggeration, but pretty close, you know. And then the next thing you find out is that like, there's no time for parents to be able to take their kids um, kids to a game. And I think if we just took a step back, you know, I can only speak for my um, experiences, but any time that I was able to watch soccer at a higher level, go to a game and have that experience, um, was amazing, and it just allowed me to start to visualize and just experience um, what women's soccer can be like and is like. And sometimes those are much more valuable lessons than just playing 10 games in a weekend and exhausting a kid. And so, um, you know, I think investing in season tickets or just going to more than just a one-off game here or there is a wonderful experience for these young kids to see and to see these awesome role models like, you know, a Crystal Dunn who's only a few years out of college fighting for, um, you know, World Cup spot, not making it, and then coming back and making the World Cup team. You know, seeing that perseverance, seeing a Joanne Lohman who's 34 years old and running around as if she's the same age as Crystal Dunn. So I think <laughs> you, 
get you get these like awesome role models that you're young and it doesn't have to be young female athletes, young male athletes as well. It's just seeing these great role models and being able to engage with them on a more personal level than you do in a lot of other pro sports. And I think you grab that chance while you can because, you know, the way that women's soccer is growing, I don't know if that's going to be the case, you know, down the line because as we continue to to um, evolve. So I think um, – you know, the fans, and, and just, the, I think the fans, though, the fans that we have now are are, are unbelievable. And I think that's, yep. uh, and that shouldn't be unnoticed because we do have a lot of fans that do buy season tickets and go to as many games as they can. Um, but I, I will say this. I think we're going into a very important next couple of years. You know, we don't have a major tournament. We don't have a, um, a World Cup or Olympics coming up in the next few years. So I think in terms of that, it's a chance to really make a big push to continue to engage fans, players to still um, be engaged um, with other, you know, engaging the fans and, and getting out there and um, continue to build a bigger community around these NWSL teams. Two more questions. The first one along those lines, media. When you see media covering NWSL, women's soccer, um, any of the players, like a feature story or anything, do you think that from the small blogs to the national coverage, do you think there's being enough done to entice listeners, viewers, readers to want to go see the products? Oh, I think there can always be more done, you know, and, like, we can always say that. And I think we, the more media, even if there's some negativity, even if there's positive um, media, the more media I say, the better, because you're just getting the product out there. You're getting people to start to take notice and listen. And what's that saying? Like you need to have it like three times in people's face before they either purchase or start to notice, like really consciously notice. So the more we can get it out there, the better. I know um, like my best friend Megan Rapino retweeted not too long ago, a couple of weeks ago, Seattle. I think the Seattle Times put something out, and they're like, here's the Seattle teams that are competing for – you know, playoffs, and Megan was like, uh, hey, we're the Seattle Reign, and we're competing for a playoff spot. You don't have us on this list. And yeah. that's that's sort of unlike, from my experience, unlike Seattle, because they've been pretty on top of their soccer, obviously, with their men's team and, and the Reign. So, but you see examples of that where it's like, okay, how did that get missed? We're a major sporting team in this, in this um, city, so how are you guys not realizing that we're still competing for a playoff spot? or that's not going into an article being written. So, I mean, I think to me that just indicates that, like, there still needs to be more push to to get the word out there and continue to expand. And, um, you know, and, and I don't have all the answers either, but, you know, sure. in, some ways, in some ways partner up with um, the men's pro teams. You know, obviously knowing that it's like a different identity and it's a different uh, battle. It's not just going to be not just being under the men's team, but – you know, partnering up, continue to drive traffic to the games and get get people excited. So finally, I want you to uh, renew, <laughs> uh, I want you to call your final two teams. Uh, we got the Spirit Thorns, Red Stars, New York Flash, all in the top four. The Reigns still uh, in it for a playoff spot. Considering uh, who do we got here at the end? Uh, the Red Chicago and Washington play each other. Uh, the Flash host the Boston Breakers. The Thorns host 
sky blue. Considering those uh, the last games, who do you think we see in the semis? I guess the question is, do the Rain make the playoffs, and then who's your two teams in a championship? Who is the Rain playing, and who are the Flash playing? Uh, Flash play Breakers, uh, Rain play Houston Dash. All right, I'm going with um, D.C., Portland, um, Chicago, and Western New York, the four teams in the playoffs, and I go with the Spirit of number one. I say they're going to play Western New York Flash and see Chicago and Portland. I say we see, oh, an interesting lineup. I say we see the Spirit play Portland in the final at Houston, where the final will be. I like and, that. Oh, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can call a winner because that'll be an interesting game. But it will be an interesting matchup with Mark Parsons being the Portland coach after um, having the Spirit. So. Yeah. But yeah, I call Spirit and Portland in the final. I think uh, I don't think there's too many people that would argue with that prediction. Lori, thank you so much for for joining me. We are following you on Twitter at Lori Lindsay Six, and I hope to run into you at the Plex someday. I see people tweeting and Instagramming pictures of you, but I am yet to to run into you there. Yeah, absolutely. I'm hoping to get to the playoff game. So um, yeah, let's definitely connect. And thanks for having me on. This is a blast. Let every, every ball spirit.